0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello
1: and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Klaus... Husker football gets their first commit of 2022. We'll talk about that later in the show as Ernest Hausman from Columbus uh, jumps on board. We'll actually hear from Craig Williams, the head coach of Columbus as well in our next segment. But guys, you know, I I just want to get right to this. Um, You you guys think about just what this last year has been. I mean, it was a year ago on this very show. We were sitting up here um, a day before Nebraska's pro day, uh, but Lincoln, Lancaster County restricted fans from attending the Boys State Basketball Tournament. And I think that was the first moment I realized, wow, you know, I think when the COVID and coronavirus stuff initially was out there early of this week, a year ago, the Monday, Tuesday, going into things, you're like, ah, you know what, though, this is Nebraska. It's a New York thing. It's not going to get to us. We'll be fine. And then they pulled the fans out of state basketball tournament. Then the next thing you know, Nebraska basketball played Wednesday night Mm -hmm. against Indiana in Banker's Life Fieldhouse in in Indianapolis. And uh, that was the last Big Ten basketball game played before the tournament was canceled. And um, I believe Creighton got their game going the next Mm -hmm. day. It was like the 11 a.m. game in Madison Square Garden. And then they called it at halftime. So about by noon um, of Thursday – Everything was shut down other than Nebraska's pro day. They still conducted the, the pro day. And and I'll never forget, Sam McEwen said to me uh, from the Omaha World-Herald, a guy I've known for over 20 years and worked with him for many years since the Daily Nebraska, and said, Sean, the doctors are in charge now. And and he was right. I mean, the, the, the world as we know has not been the same since this week a year ago. And when you just think about all the drama, all the BS um, that has come out of um, this year in the sports side of things, not in the life side of things. That's a whole other show and a whole other podcast. Uh, but uh, guys, it, it, it's really been unbelievable to, just, just to think about how much things have changed. Um, and in, in many cases, forever.
2: Well, it's, what's really crazy is the fact that you know Nebraska was kind of the first major domino to fall in terms of the sports world shutting down with that big 10 tournament game you were talking about obviously for for those who don't remember fred hoiberg uh you know he was he's kind of recounted over the past couple weeks you know that experience and what that was like and you know he just talked about how he woke up not really feeling that well but you know didn't think it was anything serious he got cleared by the the not only nebraska team doctors but the big 10 officials to to go ahead and coach and as the game wore on, you just started to see him just look worse and worse. He was sort of pale at his head in his hands. Like he was sweating. Uh, and it was kind of one of those deals where everybody's just watching this play out live. Like what's going on? Like, is this coronavirus? Is it the flu? Like what is happening? And then they escorted him off the court, made him go to the locker room and not only just walk off, they put him in a wheelchair and wheeled him off into the locker room. And people
1: weren't wearing masks back then. No, or
2: no, this was before any sort of mask mandate or whatever. And like everybody, you could like watch as Fred leaves, like the scores table and like guys, like these older people that I high risk people are just like watching Fred, like with the, like, <laughs> this <these laughs> is totally scared looks on their face. And then obviously Nebraska got quarantined in their locker room for hours after the game uh, and they weren't letting anybody out and they cleared everybody out of the arena. It was like just this unbelievable scene and obviously that was right before uh, the NBA shut down earlier that day and then the Rudy Gobert thing where he was like touching the microphone. Was that the same? It was the same day. Same day, Same day. And so like all of this is just kind of happening at once and you know, Fred Hoiberg got roasted on social media because they were like, how could he put everyone at risk? Yeah, the Nicole uh, Arbox and the yeah, athletic I mean, people were... The hot takes were flowing. The and, blue it, checkers were going crazy. And again, it, uh, people were just getting kind of caught up in just the, the craziness of that moment. Uh, obviously, he didn't have COVID. He just had... Uh, a virus. In, influ- a bug. Influenza A, I believe is what it was. So, I mean, he was, he was sick, but uh, it wasn't COVID, and a lot of people backtracked on that. But that moment was kind of the official... Spiral of sports. Let's get do. crazy. Yeah, and, and, and really, it, it, everything changed from Let's that. Let's freak night. out.
3: <laughs> yeah, It was everywhere. I mean, it was it was all over the news. Every spring game got canceled shortly after. Yep, like, yep. we had
2: a virtual
1: spring game this year. Think about that. Yeah, video game. Video game. I did not watch.
3: Yeah, I didn't that was either. yeah, it was uh, interesting to say the least. But yeah, every, I mean, it was. It's hard to believe that it's been a year since everything that we have done in the sports world has been completely impacted from fans or no fans to you know, just athletes being uh restricted as far as recruiting goes and and coaches being restricted and and uh seasons being manipulated and, and moved and cancelled and I mean every every aspect of sports as we know it has has changed over the last year and, and like you said in the open Sean, I mean some of it's Probably forever, you know. I, I don't know. Things will never be quite exactly the same as they were pre-COVID. So, um, but hopefully, you know, now that things are, hopefully, that all that is starting to turn. I think that uh, we're gonna, you know, places MLB is is they're announcing that fans are gonna be in the stands and. Um, you know, Nebraska is expecting fans in Memorial Stadium in the fall. And so, I mean, I think we're slowly getting back there. But it, it's been a wild, wild ride this past year.
1: Yeah, I wrote this week in my 3 2, one the three things that have changed forever this last year. For me, number one was Nebraska's relationship with the Big Ten and the Council of Chancellors and Presidents. Um, you know, you, you always kind of knew Nebraska was – the outlier of the 14 institutions uh, that the lowest academic ranking of the teams, etc. But this year, more than ever, I think changed that relationship knowing that the priorities and thoughts on things are much different here than the other places in the big 10. Uh, the other thing for me is commissioner Kevin Warren. Um, I don't think he'll ever really be fully respected or looked at the same after how all this year has been handled. And then the no fans thing. I mean, I just think that has crushed the soul of Big Red Faithful to, to not be able to be a part of things. And, I mean, you, you think about just how many people, fathers, sons, uh, friends, cousins, aunts, uncles, they use those Saturdays and these events to get together with people, and, and it's an excuse to see people seven times a year and spend time with them. And I, I, I think that, as much as the game itself, losing that – you know, it really hurt a lot of people. And uh, I just think all these things that have happened, uh, but mainly starting with Nebraska's relationship with the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, I mean, that. I don't know how that gets corrected. I mean, maybe time heals all wounds and everybody just kind of pretends nothing happened. But I can't. Remember a situation where a member school and a conference, a relationship got that ugly where players were filing lawsuits, parents were uh, organizing these like movements against a conference to let people play. Uh, the commissioners, they basi- took them to court and bas- gave them two hours' notice to appear. Yeah, the commissioner is basically calling the school's bluff that you know you're not going to play or else type thing when Nebraska tried to schedule a non conference game. I mean, it's like every move there was conflict between Nebraska and the, the Big Ten leaders. And, you know, I get that uh, the the conference wanted to do or at least accommodate the, the league as a whole. And, and like you mentioned, Sean, Nebraska's viewpoint on a lot of the issues at play are significantly different than they are in Minneapolis or Ann Arbor <clears throat> or, you know, even State College or wherever. And so that, uh, I think, got highlighted more than ever. You know, I think Nebraska was always kind of viewed as uh, by a lot of Big Ten schools as the, the cousin Eddie of the conference, you know, the one that just kind of shows up and uh, doesn't really belong at the, the hoity-toity cocktail party. And they show up with a cooler bush light and, uh, you know, in their pickup truck. Well, uh, I think that that disconnect was kind of <laughs> accentuated, you know, to a point where, you know, it, will that relationship ever be repaired to where Nebraska really truly fits? Or feels like a fit in this conference after after everything they went through over the last twelve months.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think there's ever going to be a point in time where Nebraska is is on the same level as, as all the other schools in the Big Ten, especially like the you know the the original members you know of of the Big Ten. I just I don't with the way things have transpired over this past year, um, you know, and, and how. Nebraska was viewed as being completely defiant and and you know how they went to you know great lengths to be able to to play and everything with the lawsuits I mean there's going to be a lot of people that forever hold grudges against Nebraska or view them differently uh, regardless of of what they ever do you know on the field of competition I, I think that or even in the classroom I, I just I think that with the way things have happened this past year you know Nebraska is always going to be you're going to going to be looked at differently by the rest of the members of the conference Yeah, they
1: swung their sword at the conference and it wasn't really looked at as a very wise move
2: they were expected to kiss the ring and they they brought out the sword
1: (laughs) it's been a year uh but good news nebraska gets their first commit and ernest hausman out of columbus we're going to hear from his coach craig williams next you're listening here to the huskar line show
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean
1: Callahan here, and I teased it uh, coming out of the break that we were going to be joined by Ernest Hausman's head coach, Craig Williams, who will be entering his 16th season as the head coach of Columbus. Uh, coach, thank you for joining us here on the show, and it's got to be pretty exciting uh, for you and your program just how things have picked up for a, a guy like Ernest Hausman.
4: Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's really exciting for our program and for Ernest. Um, you know, just to see a young man that uh, works as hard as he does, and and how he's he set a goal for himself a number of years ago, and now he's reaching those goals. It's 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 tremendous to see a young man that uh, uh, gets validated and, and with all the hard work that he's done.
1: Coach, when when did you know? I mean, sometimes you know when a kid's like in sixth, seventh grade. Sometimes you may not know until after their freshman, sophomore year. I mean, when when did you see it? with Ernest Hausman and you're like you know what we might have something here that some people are going to be interested here down the road
4: yeah you know we uh, I've known Ernest since he since he came to the United States you know and and uh, watching him grow up I knew his family and so I got to be around him growing up but uh he was always a pretty good athlete middle school and then and really started to flourish as a freshman uh but still was pretty skinny you know a lanky kid um you know just another athlete we had out there in a good senior class or a good freshman class coming in and um, then when he came in as a sophomore, started to put some weight on, started to get stronger, um, you know. And, and we started him out there at corner um, against, you know, the the little likes of uh, Omaha West Side and Millard South and those schools, and, and he held his own up there against out there against these uh, top athletes in the state of Nebraska. And, and uh, you know, then we started to kind of think, you know, this, this young man is is going to be something special. Um, you know, he was a good basketball player too, and. And uh, we started thinking, you know, football, basketball might not be his sport. Football might be the way to go. And and uh, he's he's just flourished since then, kept getting stronger, and, and uh, you know, made himself into the prospect he is.
1: We're joined by Columbus High head coach Craig Williams here on the Husker Online Show as we talk about Nebraska's first commitment for the class of 2022. And, you, you know, you, you look at it, things picked up with the offers. I mean, Nebraska, when they offered, it was – I mean, it was almost out of left field i don't think a lot of people that follow it closely um on the local scene even saw it coming how did that dialogue start with barrett rude and eric Shenander in nebraska to get that offer for Ernest uh, back when they came in
4: well you know it's been it's such a weird year with recruiting um you know i i told the coach this morning that uh You know, he was one of only about four coaches to stop by the school this year. And, you know, that's just – that's unusual. Uh, You know, usually your your school's full of recruiters coming in and out um, throughout the season. But um, I think that's forcing schools to do some things a little bit different. And I know going into our our Bellevue West game about three-quarters of the way through the season, um, you know, Ernest had gotten a a message through Twitter um, from the Nebraska staff wishing him good luck and i think that's the, that kind of opened the dialogue and and things started going from there um you know and, and he had a tremendous year just this year just showed how athletic he was on both sides of the ball but but especially on defense and how he can make plays and and do so many different things and so it just grew from there and and he uh, just really flew under the radar as far as a, a recruiting uh, standpoint went and um you know, it was it was uh, great to see uh, Nebraska come in and take a chance and and be the first ones in on, on Ernest because, uh, you know, being in the backyard, in Nebraska's backyard, it was just tremendous to see them come in and get that done.
1: And I've seen this over the years where Nebraska makes that first offer, especially to a local guy, and then that coach's phone just blows up with other teams. I mean, give us an idea uh, between you and Ernest, just how quickly
4: things picked up with other teams coming in. Yeah, you know, it, it for about 2 months it uh, it was kind of slow, you know, even after the Nebraska offer, you know, Virginia came in and and uh made an offer and then and we had a couple other schools give a call. Kansas came in and made an offer. Um but then it was after, you know, after we got back after Christmas break, um you know, things started to pick up. Um and, and schools started to call uh and inquire about, about Ernest and and uh, you know, his grades and those types of things and and really do their background check and then and then when they uh when the NCAA allowed schools to start making phone calls, you know, that week was, was crazy. Um, You know, I think he got eight or nine offers there in about a three day stretch and uh, you know, it was pretty wild ride for Ernest and his family. And, and to be able to talk to all those schools and and, uh, and hear from everybody that was interested in him.
1: You know, there was a point when you talked to Ernest and his family, it sounded like they were going to take some visits and they were going to wait, uh, but then the NCAA extended the dead period till at least June, and we don't even know what June's going to look like yet, um, and, and then he made his announcement this week. And, you know, were you surprised that they came to that conclusion to say, you know what, we've seen enough, we know enough, we're going to go to Nebraska?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, not really. Um, you know, Ernest, everything he does is very calculated, a very cerebral young man, uh, thinks through everything. Um, and so, you know, I, I have a feeling he had his his, uh, his three or four schools that he had this thing narrowed down to. But he wanted to take those visits before the NCAA pushed that time back. Um, you know, he wanted to make sure that there wasn't something out there that, that uh, you know, really grabbed him when he stepped on campus. And But when they pushed that thing back, you know, he, he really wanted to, uh, get that decision made and and focus on uh, you know lifting, getting better for next year and and uh, and moving forward with it. So uh, I wasn't surprised he went ahead and pulled the trigger on it. Um, you know I, Nebraska head coach Frost and the staff has done a great job. Um, you know staying in touch with him and his family and and uh, you know making him feel at home.
1: We're talking to Craig Williams here, the head coach of the Columbus High Discoverers. His star linebacker Ernest Hausman is Nebraska's first commit here for the class of 2022 and you know you got the sense coach that um, there was some urgency for Nebraska to, to get this one done obviously the, the the two Omaha guys and arguably maybe the top three or four are, are, are looking elsewhere and I mean did you get that sense that Ernest almost became a priority number one, that they've got to get this kid that there's no looking back. They've got to lock this guy up and, and and secure one of the top guys in the state of Nebraska.
4: Yeah. You know, I can't really speak for the the recruiting of the other young man, but I can tell you that uh, uh, like I said, this this coaching staff did a tremendous job making Ernest feel like he was top, top priority and, and uh, his family, uh, you know, making them number one on their list. And um, you know, they just, they did a great job of, of contacting them every day and, and uh, making sure he had uh, all the information he needed to make a decision. Um, You know, Ernest has been a Nebraska fan growing up, but uh, you know, he was going to give it a chance and, and, uh, and see what else was out there. But I think in the end, you know, just that family atmosphere that they came in with and, and uh, made him feel at home. It it just won out. And, and, uh, you know, that was, high on Ernest's list was, uh, finding that, uh, that place that he felt comfortable and, and, uh, really trusted this, this football staff.
1: And you've seen how his body has grown and developed. I mean, do you think he's a better fit as a inside or outside linebacker when it's all said and
4: done? Well, you know, it's, it, he has had quite the transformation. I mean, starting at corner a couple of years ago, and then, uh, he put on about 15 to 18 pounds of muscle. And so we moved him to outside. Um, you know, he's, He's standing about 6'3 and a half, and about 210, 215 right now. So um, I can see that switch easy to the inside um, at the collegiate level. We're going to move him inside next year. Uh, we graduated a couple outstanding inside linebackers, so we need some help in there. It um, just seems like a natural fit, natural progression to, to move him inside and, and, and see what we can do. But, you know, he, he works so hard at everything. He's, he's uh, excellent at, uh, at uh, perfecting his craft. Um, you know he's going to make that switch, and and he's going to uh, put the extra muscle on that he needs to to be inside. And and uh, you know the biggest thing is getting those reads and, and getting him to play downhill. It's a little bit different ball game inside. But there's no question in my mind he's going to make that switch and, and be very successful with it.
1: Do you know if he wants to graduate early after um the the the, the fall semester next year?
4: You know we haven't had that conversation. Um, you know so uh, that'd be something for him and his family to, to talk about down the road, and and certainly. Um, I'd be willing to sit down with him and visit with him, but uh, that hasn't come up uh, to this point.
1: And will he have an offensive role for you guys too, Coach?
4: Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, being the smallest school in Class A, we've we've got to use our athletes any way we can, and and, uh, he will play at a a wide receiver for us. That's our outside uh, weak side receiver, which we isolate a lot of times and get him one-on-one. You know, he was our leading receiver last year, Um, just a playmaker out on the edge for us, a a young man that can go out and make plays, got great ball skills, Um, you know, and once he gets the ball in his hands, he's tough to bring down. And so, yeah, there's no question about it. He's going to have a a big role on offense for us uh, and play both ways for most of the game.
1: And then lastly, I mean, do your kids in the program understand the significance you think of getting a Husker? I mean, I think it's the first guy Columbus has had since 1993 and Tim Carpenter. And obviously before that, you guys, uh, had Corey Schlesinger in the class of 89, but it's been a while. I mean, that you've had an athlete of this caliber and I'm, I'm sure for the kids in your program, that's gotta be exciting.
4: You know, it is. And, uh, kids and coaches and, and, uh, and the school up here, it's, uh, it is exciting and, and everybody's uh, happy for Ernest. And, but you know, it's, it's something again, that validates the hard work that these kids have done. Um, you know, Ernest is such a level-headed young man that, uh, you know, he shows up, you know, the day after he commits, and and Ernest is still Ernest, you know, and and uh, you know, still, still the same guy in the halls, the same guy in the locker room, the same guy in the weight room that uh, that we've been around for the last three years. It's just the type of young man he is. So everybody's happy for him and and happy for the program. But uh, you know, looking forward to big things, not only for us next year, but uh, you know, the next four years after that at Nebraska. Well, Coach Williams,
1: uh, we appreciate your time and and congratulations on on the success and and everything that's come out of your program with Ernest Hausman.
4: Hey, thank you. And and thank you for the time today.
0: All right. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Craig Williams from Columbus, the head coach of Ernest Hausman for joining us here in our last segment, this segment of the Husker Online Show Brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. There is no better place to watch all the March Madness action than Tanner's here in Lincoln on 30th and Yankee Hill. was in there on Friday night after Girls State Basketball. place was buzzing. People were having a great time. Um, it is your premier South Lincoln sports bar. Brand new TVs, brand new furniture. It's a completely different looking bar than it was before. I urge you to get on into Tanner's. And check it out there on 30th and Yankee Hill Road, guys. I want to move on now to our, our spring previews again. And you know, last week we talked quarterbacks. Today I'm going to do two segments. Want to hit on running backs, and then when we come back, we'll do defensive line um, and, and just the direction of that group. But I want to start here. Let's let, let's number one look at Marquis Step and and what he's going to bring to the table. Um, I think when you look at all the storylines. Um, with this position group, there's no question to me, I think you start with Marquis' step, and what is he going to bring? I mean, this is a guy that virtually was a starter for USC. He split reps. with three. Uh, t- there are three guys that took equal reps. I believe he had 13 or 14 carries in the Pac-12 title game. So he is a veteran. He's played a lot of good football, and he's more of a Big Ten running back. And I will be so interested to see just how he blends into this Scott Frost offense.
2: Well, and especially just with the official – departure of Dedrick Mills. Uh, I mean, that was a huge void in this offense because after Dedrick Mills, there was so much uncertainty. Now, I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of talent in that group, but no one in, in no scholarship back in that room has done anything to make you feel good, like this is the guy. So... What Nebraska did, they went out and found someone who can be basically uh, slotted right into that number one spot and be the guy, the workhorse, the guy that they lean on to win Big Ten football games. And yes, he's from USC, but he's from Indianapolis and he grew up playing uh, in cold weather. He's no stranger to any of that. And with the way that his frame is set up, he's a guy that can get those tough yards between the tackles. As we've seen time and again, that's how you win in this league. So Assuming Markey's step can be what everyone expects him to be, that is going to be such a huge boost to this offense and uh, you know provide some answers to some of the more glaring questions we had uh, once Dietrich Mills decided to move on. Now, the next question after that is, who else can compliment him? Uh, who can be the number two, number three uh, to, to play off of him? But uh, Nebraska needs Marquis Stepp to be good and as advertised for this offense to be what it could potentially be in 21.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of talent in that room, I think, but it's all unproven. And so Nebraska was faced with, you know, when they were losing Mills, okay, well, now what? Uh, who's going to be our guy? And so they decided to go out and, and get somebody who who has been battle-tested a little bit. And Marquis Stepp is is one of those guys, um, you know, like you guys mentioned, he's played at a high level uh, and and he is built like a Big Ten running back. He's six foot two thirty five, and and I think that's also notable as Nebraska, um, you know, maybe looking to get back to more of a more of a physical ground game. You know, like we saw towards the end of the season uh, with the way that they used Mills. So. Uh, in step, I think it's somebody that's going to be able to, to get in right there and, and kind of be that guy. But you're right, Robin. It, to me, the bigger question is who, who's, who's going to step up after step? Is it going to be a, a Sevion Morrison or a Marvin Scott or um, – Gabe Irvin. Know, Gabe Irvin, you know, the the newcomer that, that just signed with Nebraska. Um, you know, is, is Ronald Tompkins going to be uh, that guy? I mean, we saw a couple flashes from him, you know. Uh, Ramir Johnson is he finally going to be somebody that that is going to be uh, asked to do more than than just going to you know spot roles here or there? So I mean, there's a lot of talent there, but yeah, like you said, it's it's all unproven except for Marquis Step. I, I think if he didn't emerge as the the go to guy, it would be kind of a disappointment.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at just the body of work of Tompkins, Johnson, Scott, Morrison, as we know, didn't get a play last year, and Irvin just got here, but I mean, it's, there's really not much there. I mean, Ramir Johnson had the nice run against Iowa for the touchdown. I mean, that's clearly the best highlight of that group. Uh Marvin Scott, you know, he had the little shovel pass from McCaffrey against Penn state um, that allowed them to get a field goal right before halftime. I and mean, that was probably his best play of the year. Ronald Tompkins had a couple of scamper runs where he got like four yards. <laughs> I mean, That's what we're looking at here. I mean, that, that, that's the body of work of this group. And, um, There there was a point where it looked like Tompkins had control of things and there was a point where it looked like Scott had control of things. And then you know Marvin Scott got a false positive COVID at Purdue and then he didn't get a play and they they dressed him late in that game once um, they cleared him and Ramir Johnson played at Iowa in in that role. So, yeah, I I just feel like we don't know much about this group. I mean, that's the hard thing. We know what their high school film looked like. Uh, but none of these guys, for whatever reason, developed a rhythm or had that just play. Where Like Maurice Washington. I mean, you just kind of knew right away, like, all right, this guy can play the position. I mean, and I feel like all the great ones we've seen at Nebraska, Rex Burkhead, Amir Abdullah, Roy Halu, down the line, you typically know right away if they can do it. They just have that, like, one-cut ability to make something out of nothing and I, we didn't see that in my opinion from those three guys last year
2: no not at all and you know I guess a lot of that had to do with none of them could stay on the field consistently with with injuries or whatever it was it seemed like it was Dedrick Mills and even he missed substantial time uh, and then just kind of a revolving door of, of backups behind him uh, and I guess the one guy that we haven't seen at all is Savion. Uh and I think there's still a lot of excitement about just what he could be he was one of the more highly touted pieces um, of the past class that, you know, I still think has a very bright future, but these guys need to be able to get enough practice reps and stay healthy and and get some game experience to even have those opportunities to make those splash plays. And until that happens, they're just going to remain unknowns. And, you know, I guess you look at the production coming back right now, uh, as far as returning rushers go, the only guy that's uh, still on the team, not named Adrian Martinez, uh, the second leading rusher was Ramir Johnson who played in four games ran the ball 21 times for a net of 64 yards and one touchdown. That's a Nate Klaus, woof, woof. Woof. Yeah. So, after that, uh, it's <laughs> wide open.
3: Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. And um, you know, I, I think that uh when you look at Sevion Morrison, to me, had he been able to stay healthy, uh, he, he was, got COVID too. Yeah. It, it, he's always he's always been, you know, one of those guys in that class that I've been very very high on. Just because he could do so many different things. To to me, he's the wild card with all this. Uh, because like like you said, Sean, we didn't see any of those guys that got carries last year, like flash enough where you said, okay, that's this the guy. Yeah, he he's the guy, or, or you know, he's gonna be you know he, he, a mainstay in that in that uh, at that running back position for the next two, three, four years or whatever. So um you know to me Savion Morrison is kind of that that wild card guy because he can do so many different things and and in high school he was such a dynamic player so um hopefully he can stay healthy I know a lot of people have have been kind of frustrated with Ryan Held and have asked me you know how come he hasn't developed anybody in that room how come they just don't have anybody that that they can turn to and uh, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily Ryan Held's fault. It just seems like every one of those guys has had a couple different things happen at, at, the, at the worst times that have all kind of contributed to where we're at right now. Well,
1: and it comes down to this. If you get one or two yards on first down, they ain't getting it done. And, yeah. and there are so many times where they've tried these guys and it's second and nine. Well, guess what? You're not going to get the ball as another carry on second and nine. You've got to get four or five yards on that to carry. And they just weren't doing that last year. And obviously Mills was heard. And uh, I mean, that's been the other problem with the running back position the last two years. They've bet on horses that did not produce. Mm-hmm. They went with Maurice Washington heavy, and he kind of teased us with some of these wild runs. But then as we know, it didn't work out with the guy. We we're not going to get in all the reasons, but as we know, it just, it just wasn't going to work. And then Diedrich Mills got going last year late, had the great game against Wisconsin, ran it great against Iowa. Then he gets hurt last year. So all of their plans they had with the position the last two years have kind of just been blowing up. And then I feel like their plan Bs have just not worked very well.
2: well. Yeah, I mean, again, that's what it comes down to, is these guys being on the field enough to live up to all this potential we talk about year in, year out with you know these big, highly touted recruits that you know have a bunch of offers that come to Nebraska and then just don't do anything. Until they actually hit on one of those game-changing running backs, which – you know, or a few years ago, it seemed like they just got one every single year and just had this crazy pipeline. Uh, until that happens, I mean, Nebraska's running game is going to be stuck in neutral because they need an elite level workhorse running back that can be a thousand yard guy, a no brainer thousand yard guy, which is hopefully
1: Marquis Step. Yes,
2: and I think he clearly has the most potential to do that. But again, he's never even had a practice as a Nebraska Cornhusker yet, so we'll see.
3: Yeah, if Marquis Step can be your divino Zigbo. I think that changes the offense in such a drastic way. So I, I guarantee you the coaching staff, they're hoping that, that he can be uh, their version of uh, divine of Zigbo. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, the, how they divvy out the reps and everything in the spring, but, Uh, You hope that you know somebody or a couple, two or three guys emerge in the spring uh, there at that position.
1: All right, when we come back, guys, we are going to shift to defense. I want to talk defensive line. This is a group that returns every single player from a year ago. Um, They did lose Keem Green to the portal, but that was for playing time reasons. So it will be a, a loaded group on paper. We'll discuss the D line
0: next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And
1: welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus continuing our spring practice early discussions here as the Huskers will kick off on the last week of March. Guys, I want to talk some defense now. Defensive line to be exact. On paper, this is a group that returns everybody. I mean, they lost Keem Green to the transfer portal. Um, he's one of only three players that played out of their top 20 that have moved on on this defense in general. Colin Miller obviously retired, and then DiCaprio Boodle went pro, um, and then that's it, Keem Green. So y- y- you look at this group on paper, Ben Stilley, he's coming back for a sixth year of college. You'll have Damian Daniels as a junior again. I mean, he's, he's a fourth-year junior. Uh, or excuse me, a fifth. I think he's a, he'd be a fifth-year junior. Because um, this will be um, – he should have been a – He would be a senior yeah, had he not yeah. got that free year. Yeah. So he's a fifth-year junior in Damian Daniels. DeAndre Thomas returns. Jordan Riley returns. And hopefully he stays healthy. Then you got Casey Rogers, Ty Robinson, Masai Newsom, Nash Hutmacher could be in that mix. Marquise Black. Um, Raquan Buckley is here early. Uh, Jalen Weaver won't be here until later. But, guys, it, it, on paper – this is a really good deep group. When you look at what Tony Tuioti has to work
2: with, well, for me, it's the reason why I think expectations are higher than ever for this defense. I mean, the fact that they are so stout, so deep, and so experienced up front—that sets the tone for everything and uh, makes your linebackers better, makes your coverage better. And the, I mean, in, in the Big Ten, we all know it's in the trenches. And Nebraska's defensive line right now—you could make a case—is. The overall strength of the team. Uh, I don't know if there's much debate about that, just given the what they have coming back and just how much depth they have top to bottom. And you know, it starts with a guy like Ben Stelly, who uh, it's coming back, coming off his best year as a Husker, and you know, he is one of the prime um, you know beneficiaries of that additional year that uh, you know he's going to come back, and he's a known commodity now, and um, is really going to be kind of the the, the key cog up front, but then you pair in the Daniels and DeAndre Thomas, Riley, and, and go down the list with all the young talent they have coming up. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to like, and they're going to be able to rotate, and you're going to keep guys fresh, and you, know, you won't have those issues of – them start, Nebraska's D line starting well and then just fading down the stretch in the fourth quarter as they wear down because they have so many numbers and not much drop off seemingly between their top level guys and then the reserves and that's where you want to get ultimately uh, ideally as a program but especially in the Big Ten where defensive line play is so pivotal to winning in this conference.
3: Well yeah think about this a year ago at this time we're sitting here talking about how the defensive line is probably the biggest question mark yeah, on that crazy. defense. After losing the Davis Twins and, and Daniels to, to the NFL, uh, you know, how, how are the heck is Nebraska going to replace three NFL guys on that defensive line? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think early on that was the surprise position group of, of the of the defense, or maybe even of the team during last season, and they continued to play at a very very high level. And so now you bring all those guys back. You know, if they're able to build on what they did last year, which you know, I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a pretty fun group to watch. And there's, I mean, it's such a great combination of veteran presence. You know, a guy like Ben Stilley. Um, and then some youth that has some experience like a Ty Robinson and a Casey Rogers. I mean, those guys have played now. Um, they're getting their feet wet, and, and I expect big things out of them. And then, um, you know, some of those younger guys that redshirted last year like a Nash Hutmacher or Marquise Black, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're able to kind of add to the mix too.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus as we talk defensive line in spring practice. And I think the biggest thing we saw a year ago – was they started to get the right type of players in this system. Let's be honest. The Davis twins were great football players, but they were not 3-4 defensive ends. And they had to play out of necessity there, and even Carlos Davis played some no's. And they they were good players. They they did what they had to do. But I think we're starting to see what this should look like with the length that's been added, uh, particularly with Rodgers and Ty Robbins. I mean, I th- and then still he... Has um, you know continued to be a very steady force, but I think when you see guys like Roger Rogers and Robinson at the D end, I mean that is the type of bodies they want. You know, bigger, even six six type guys that push three hundred pounds that can hold the line and then let those linebackers behind them make plays.
2: And I think that's a kind of a perfect example of the gradual evolution of Nebraska's recruiting on both lines. I mean, you could say the same thing about just the change physically Nebraska's, uh, recruiting, I guess, profile, uh, has looked like on the offensive line, just to, as well as defensive line. They're, they're, they're getting bigger bodies, longer bodies, uh, more athletic, big bodies that, uh, are able to hold up in the big 10. And I think that was something that they learned right out of the bat where, uh, you know, that first year they were not suited physically on either side of the line of scrimmage to compete. In this league and they've addressed that more and more each year to now you know especially on that d line uh they have the physical makeup of a legitimate defensive big 10 defensive line and uh you know not only is there like i said some some top level experience there but the depth they have coming up the ranks leads you to believe that they're going to be pretty well suited there for years to come
3: yeah and not only are they big guys across the board really all of them are but um, you know, they're they're not just slugs either. They're not just uh, guys that can't do anything. So, I mean, they're, they're going to be able to hold the line, but they're also going to be able to be disruptive in their own right. You know, and um, I'm excited to see what a guy like Damian Daniels does, you know, after being in the program now for a long time. Uh, I feel like having his brother here really kind of helped him elevate his game and kind of take it to the next level, um, you know, because there was a point in time where he was – Four or five plays, and that was about all you could get out of the guy uh, at, at any given point in time. So, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he's somebody that playing in conjunction with some of these other talented defensive linemen, uh, someone I'm, you know, that's played a lot that I'm expecting to be able to kind of continue to raise his game.
1: Well, and Jordan Riley battled injuries, and mm-hmm. I, I think he's somebody to watch closely because I felt like he was supposed to do more last year mm-hmm. and kind of be in that rotation and then he got injured and, and just didn't get the reps in his body. I just don't think he was right. And then Messiah Newsome, I'm telling you, yep. Eric Shenander and I, we've talked about him many times. I mean, they like, they like him. Uh, Scott Frost brought him up to me a year ago um, that he's somebody to watch and they continue to believe. And remember, he's just a shirt freshman. I mean, this guy's going in to his third year at Nebraska, but he's still a shirt freshman. So he's got a lot of football ahead of him. And I do feel like Messiah Newsome
2: is somebody to watch. Well, he's, I mean, look at the eyeball test with that guy. He's a he's a beast, man. Uh, I remember when he first got here, just watching him, you know, heading out to his first spring practice, and he was just a monster where, you know, you did a double take looking at him. So hopefully he's a guy that can pan out. But, you know, I also want to see some of these other guys, you know, obviously they're still young in the program, but, you know, will a Tate Wildeman take that next step? Will a Nash Hutmacher take that next step? I mean, I think those are guys that came in with – you know relatively um, high recruiting profiles that you know, a lot of fans had, had high expectations for and you know will they be able to continue that i think those are some of the key players that as good as the group is now they need that net that that next level of of those types of players to continue to develop the same way that ty robinson casey rogers did uh last season yeah with, with tate wildeman
3: he's just got to stay healthy i mean that's a guy it seems like he's just continually battled uh, injuries, one one thing after another. Uh, you know, I, I know I was really excited about him coming out of high school, but he just has not been able to to stay healthy. But. Um, you know, he certainly fits the mold along with, you know, Casey Rogers and a Ty Robinson as far as his body type uh, playing that defensive end position. So, um, But, yeah, you throw a, a Messiah Newsom in the mix and, and maybe, you know, you get something out of a healthy Tate Wildeman and, uh, or a Jameen Graham that, that's now been able to be in the program for a while and and uh, grow. So, um, yeah, there's, there's so many bodies there that, uh, you know, and like i said earlier it's a good combination of of guys that have produced already you know what you're going to get out of them but also a lot of younger talent too
1: all right when we come back we're going to talk more recruiting as the huskers picked up their first commit of 2022 from Ernest Hausman we'll get Nate's thoughts on that and more you're
0: listening here to the Husker Online show <laughs> This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, final segment of the show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, the Huskers picked up their first commitment of 2022 from Columbus outside linebacker Ernest Hausman, Nate. And this one's big for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I said in the chat this week on Husker Online, I mean, I think there was just this fear that Nebraska could be skunked 0 for 5 on the top 5 and, um, the longer things went, especially if Hausman wanted to go out and take visits where at one time we thought he was going to take visits, which could have taken this thing all the way into June, July and guys like Micah Riley and Caden Helms potentially didn't have Nebraska high. As we already know, Devin Jackson and Sean Woods have moved on from Nebraska. Um, I just think the stakes for this one were so high uh, for a lot of reasons because of just how good this year is in the state and they had to get their foot in with one of these guys.
3: Yeah, they had to. And, you know, I think that uh, this wasn't just, you know, the low-hanging fruit either. I mean, he's he had a dozen offers to his name. Arizona State, Boston College, Iowa, uh, K State, Michigan, Michigan State, um, Northwestern, Virginia. I mean, there's a couple others. So – uh, this was not just a some slam-dunk deal where Nebraska offered some kid from Columbus and, and he accepted. I mean, this is this is a battle. They were the first team to offer, which made a difference. And then I think the way they recruited him, too, also made a difference. You know, you had Barrett Rood as the lead recruiter, obviously, with him kind of being the lead guy for, for every prospect in the state. But, uh, you know, it was also a, a total staff effort. You know, you talk to Ernest, and, and he'll tell you that, um, he was hearing from not only Barrett Rood but pretty much everybody else on the staff uh, frequently as well. So, and, and exchanging text messages and having Zoom calls and so on and so forth. So, um, and he handled it the right way. You know, he had options on the table. Uh, he took his time to kind of, uh, you know, hear what all those other teams had to say and, and take some of those virtual visits from some of those other schools and. Um, you know, kind of check a bunch of boxes off on on his list, and um, you know, at the end of the day, it was Nebraska that recruited him harder than anybody else that re- you know offered him first, and where he you know he's got an opportunity to come in and and uh, play you know, at a position of need too. I mean, he's he's six three two two ten two fifteen. Um, you know, a really, really good athlete could play outside or inside linebacker for the Huskers. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a great get and, and one that Nebraska absolutely had to have.
1: Yeah, you could feel the urgency, um, especially with the Jackson Woods thing and just the outcry that those two top fives had around it. I don't know if there's been a much of a lower in-state moment. I mean, yeah, yeah they lost out on Avante Dickerson, but.
3: The Keegan Johnson. I mean,
1: those you know, a year ago, but just having both those go the same day in that manner, it was a blow, um, because the state, you know, has three, four stars now, and, and I think Caden Helms could end up getting to four stars when it's all said and done, which that would make this one of the best years ever in the state of Nebraska, and you could miss out on these guys, and so you could sense the urgency from guys like Barrett Rude, Eric Chenander, Scott Frost. They went in and you know th- just on the instate, state it, they go out and offer Ben Bramer and and I, I believe they went out and mended some fences around the state and made sure that their relationships are where they need to be going forward uh, with some of these coaches. But um, this was big for a lot of reasons um, to get the ball rolling as well. I mean, just sitting here with no commits, Nate, as we get into mid March now, you don't want to be going too much deeper without any commits.
3: No, and you know and a lot of people have been getting really antsy with that and. And it's not unheard of to to see Nebraska sitting with you know with just a commit or two at this point in time, but you know usually that that doesn't last too long. And, and by the time you get to you know to around the spring game and and through uh, the month of May and and really that first part of June, that's when things really explode and. You know, there for a while it was looking pretty bleak there was no you know real traction uh you had the in-state guys that were kind of already cutting Nebraska out of their out of their top groups and and so yeah they needed to get that first guy in the boat and to hear Ernest Hausman say hey you know, I'm not going to sit back and just kind of you know relax now that I'm committed to Nebraska either. I'm gonna I'm gonna be somebody that's reaching out to guys and, and getting them fired up about Nebraska and trying to get them in, to join me. Now I, I think that's that's kind of refreshing too. You, you you and usually one commit leads to another, and and you know that leads to another, and you, you start to build a little bit of momentum there too. So um, you know, right now I I don't know who that next commit may be. But I guarantee you they're a lot closer to, to getting it now that you've got one than, than they were just a couple of weeks ago. Well, and on the
1: in-state front, I mean, really the only guy they have an offer to that they'd have a shot with, and, and I think he's a, ways, a long way from committing, is Caden Helms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Jake Applegate, Cole McIntyre. I mean, there's some other names on the short list to, to get an offer. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Kansas City has become a huge priority you know, this year more than any – of the regions that they've made local offers into within you know hours of campus, Nate. What I'm going to be interested in is May one. Um, I know they can't technically have an official recruiting hosted event, but you know we're seeing teams do this. Like Missouri is keeping all of their spring practices open to the public, so recruits can come in as the general public to watch spring practice yep. and do a virtual weekend. Now I don't know if they can do that in Nebraska because. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, um, no.
3: There's no way they could open up practice. Well,
1: the campus guidelines at UNL right now. I mean, you can't go into buildings without showing your COVID saliva testing credentials. Yep. Um, other than the Nebraska Student Union, I believe every other building you've got some guy that literally checks your test. It's if, an app, yeah, that you have the saliva test done. So I don't know if you know how that would work um, going into the into the football facilities and and, and and whatnot. But I do think for the Red White Spring Game. I'm assuming they're going to allow crowds. It's going to be a Lancaster County decision. Um, what will that number be? But they could easily, Nate, say, you know, you can buy a ticket for $5, and then we're going to actually have a virtual weekend where you and your family can have an iPad or a phone, and we're going to take you on an experience before and after the spring game.
3: Yeah, you've got to get creative there. And any any opportunity between now and the time that things actually do open up where you could maybe get a kid on campus – You have to try and make that work and and get a little creative. And and if that is, you know, building a a recruiting, you know, a a non-official, a quote-unquote non-official recruiting weekend around the spring game, you know, if – If there are, you know, tickets available for recruits to purchase, then I think that's what you got to do. You know, and if they can log into a a virtual, you know, tour, virtual visit, weekend of some sort, inside
1: the locker room. I mean, some sort of experience. Yep. You know, if you have offer guys come, you've got to give those kids an exclusive experience of some kind that makes it feel, you know, different than the the in state kid that's going to maybe be there that's a walk on target
3: yeah give him give them the feel I mean for so it's been so long since you've been able to have anybody on campus you have to you have to try and maximize um, you know the the ability to to make somebody feel pretty pretty special um, if they are coming on campus for that game so so whatever it takes to, to do that I think Nebraska's got to try and do and I'm sure that they're they're coming up with uh, you know with several different ways to try and you know capture uh, capture the attention of of anybody that may be able to make it for that spring game.
1: I'm envisioning Nate like recruiting staffers holding like selfie sticks yeah. with position coaches like narrating and talking to a specific player. That the hot that, that if they could get kids to come and be like, I'm all right. You're the linebacker from somewhere, and the linebacker coach is going to be on like a exclusive Zoom with that recruit in the locker room or doing something. You know, to make them
3: feel like they're actually legit. right there in in there, like they would be in, under normal circumstances,
1: and have that kid just be in the stands, yep. be on the fence. I mean, be somewhere within the rules. Um, I, I think it's definitely doable, and they've got to figure out something where you know the high value targets get an experience. Yeah,
3: well, it. I mean, the spring game for so long has be, has meant so much to to the program as far as just a, a recruiting event. You have to you have to try and capture that here as much as you can and um, you know obviously not every not every prospect is going to be able to to travel or maybe not even want to travel still um, you know with things still somewhat uncertain but you know if if they can we know the tickets are going to be reasonable you know I'm sure there's going to be general admission tickets for five ten dollars a pop
1: I think we'll see at least 40,000 allowed that's my prediction I, I mean that
3: would be fantastic 25 for sure yeah um, you know, and if but if you can get kids from the area in in for that game, I mean, it would just be. A huge huge boost for for recruiting in the program because it's been we know we all know what on campus visits mean for the program and if you could get them in for uh, give them a taste of what you know a a game would be like I think that would just go so so far for their recruiting efforts because um, there's no doubt that they've been hurt by the fact that they haven't been able to have kids on campus for over a year. All right,
1: well, lots to keep up with. Husker Baseball had a great weekend, 3-1 and one in uh, Round Rock, Texas. They um, had a great weekend versus Purdue. This weekend they're going to play Iowa and Ohio State. Those games are in Minneapolis inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, we'll have full coverage of that as well as anything related to recruiting. And there's going to be a lot going on with Husker Basketball as the Big Ten Tournament um, and then uh, potential roster movement to keep your eyes on here going forward.